Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome back to the Anime Trending Podcast. I am your host today, James, and much like last episode, I don't have a funny introduction. Joining me this week are the usual suspects. Hi everyone, this is Gracie, hopping back and forth between the Girl Taku podcast and this podcast. And I'm Nick, and I must say, James, maybe your energy is just because you went a little too hard on the post-Anatrends anime trending awards. Um, you're still feeling the effects from that? <laughs> <laughs> it's only been two weeks, clearly. Uh, it, I mean, it was an excellent show, really, really uh, rocked, uh, rocked my evening, it was pretty great. Um, and I haven't gotten to celebrate like that in a very long time because I live alone now, far away from all my friends. Uh, speaking of friends... Oh, wait, no, we gotta do our chart check first. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, it's time for the chart check. This is for week eight. Dang, we're getting close to the end of the season. Uh, this was published on the 6th of March, and I'll just run down the top ten. In first place, we've got My Dress Up Darling. In second place, we've got Attack on Titan Final Season Part 2. In third place, we've got Akebi's Sailor Uniform. In fourth place, we've got Sasaki and Miyano. In fifth place, we've got The Case Study of Vanitas Part 2. In sixth place, we have Karakai Jozu no Takagi-san Season 3. In seventh place, we have The Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. In eighth place, we have Sabikui Bisco. In ninth place, we have Princess Connect Redive Season 2. And in 10th place, we have How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom Part 2. Both Kingdom shows, both shows that we have talked about on this podcast uh, in a compare contrast episode are in the top 10. And not to, you know, pump up my own ego, but I'd like to think that it's there because we recorded an episode about it. I don't I don't know what else is like super interesting. Like it's it's the usual kind of like fighting between Dress Up Darling and Attack on Titan final season part 2 like just duking it out in the uh like the top two spots. Yeah, and they go to it's like you see it on the Twitter every time where you're just like, "Oh my gosh, it's like I'm happy that Akabi is so high. I think Yeah, this I is thought... the highest it's been. Yeah, I thought Akabi was going to be uh somewhat niche because a lot of the girlhood slice of life thing it's it's not it's not like usual cute girls doing cute things anime because in other ones there's like a particular focus on a hobby for example slow loop is one where they're focused on fishing and then cooking the fish itself and i'm really used to seeing that sort of specialized girls slice of life thing even kaon is pretty you know specific on what it's focused on but I could be sailor uniform is genuinely just teenage girls being friends and here's what they do every day which you know shopping they'll talk to each other about their clothes and makeup they um they go out and play and they you know they attend sport games if one of them is on a team and stuff like that it's very mundane and is very spread out and so I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be as niche because it doesn't really quite fit into the cute girls doing cute things sort of genre because it's because it's much more unfocused on a particular hobby but to see it continuously aim very high on the charts makes me really happy because I really love it and I obviously connect a lot to the characters so yeah <laughs> yeah and it's really carried by that by the sake gun there I mean I think I see pretty much gifts from the show every week where um the animation is really great at Cloverworks which Again, like for Cloverworks historically, I mean, they are definitely, um, they've got a lot of impressive Sakuga. Um, I mean, the main problems we've seen within the studio itself was just like any of the production issues. Um, and it, like, it's almost like, I don't know, we've talked about this before with Wonder Egg, where the idea of like the studio is so talented and it's just, the, that's why it makes like the mismanagement so tragic. Um mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything from, like, Sakuga about Akebi Sailor Uniform in particular, so I'm under the impression that things are, like, relatively good relative to how, like, what we've been hearing about Cloverworks. Um, I know uh, it's difficult to say, because uh, I'm going to be the first one to say it. Cloverworks has a lot of anime airing this year, 
I think they have five, which is pretty oh, insane. Yeah. Yeah. And even this week, I mean, this season we still have Tokyo. Six. We've got Two. Ward that's coming out right at yeah. the same time as a Kibi. So like, oh, yeah. I don't know what yeah. the resource allocation's like internally, but it's like. It's yeah, a I just like... remember the Konoichi uh, in Love one is also Cloverworks. So as of now, there is going to be six anime coming out from Cloverworks, and I don't know. There might even be more. I I, I don't know, but it's pretty insane to hear that. <laughs> it's it. I I think, and this is something that usually happens because, uh, the like production and like animators and like industry kind of deals with the stress the same way i do which is to keep it hidden for as long as possible until something catastrophic happens that is a um, terrible idea and no one should follow it <laughs> hey i didn't say that it was healthy i just said that's how i do it <laughs> it's how it's done but like yeah <laughs> so well i think um thing, th- things seem to be going pretty good right now and i hope they continue to do well but uh i would not be I, I would be sad, but not surprised if some cracks started to show around probably like the the middle of the summer season, maybe even early fall. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see, but we will. I I I, I need to watch more Kebby Sailor uniform. I keep seeing clips. Um, I've been enjoying them. Uh, the description that Gracie gave really makes me interested in watching it because, uh, you know that that mundane day to day life that is truly like regular day-to-day life and not necessarily focused around a hobby is something that I think a lot of folks haven't experienced for the better part of two and a half years at this point, maybe yeah. even three years, depending on how time works. I've already lost track. Oh, I do want to give a little special highlight, which uh, the Sakuga blog post from the first episode came out. They did highlight it briefly and they, and apparently Akavi Sailor Uniform is led by an all women's team. Uh, the screenwriter oh, cool. is a woman. The director is a woman. Um, I think character designer, animation director, all these people are women, which is very, very difficult. Unique. Yeah, and you're unique in an in industry that is very male-dominated. And even as a whole, having an all-women's team in the professional world anywhere is pretty difficult to find. And so I thought mm-hmm. it was really fitting. I think ultimately it was the right choice, though, because of the topic per se, Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting when I talk about it with my uh, with the girl taco girls because it, especially since Agnes didn't really have that sort of relationship with girls that me and Isabel did. Agnes grew up basically uh, always hanging out around boys. Instead, she didn't really have a close knit girls friendship, and so for her, it's eye opening because she's like, "Oh, this is how girls are like when they're teenagers <laughs> or when they're preteens," because she genuinely doesn't know. And meanwhile, for me and Isabel, it's like, it's sweet because we're like, oh, we're remembering how what it was like being, you know, teenagers with friends and just hanging out together and stuff like that. And it's very accurate and it's just warm and fuzzy. And of course, the visuals does wonders to help with that atmosphere. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear that, because as a guy and as a nerdy, lonely band kid guy, uh, that is as as foreign to me as the surface of the planet Mars. So... (laughs) Anyway, yeah, we checked those charts. It's it's going good. I'm looking at my audacity and I'm seeing that my audio seems to be peaking a lot more than it did during the sound check, and I don't know why. So apologies in advance to the editor. This week we get extra James, extra extra James, and our our wonderful editor is going to travel all the way to my godforsaken town to. Hunt me down with a machete for ruining the audio again. Anyway, um, now on to the main topic, which I kind of hinted at before we got into the chart check, because I am so good at getting ahead of myself. This week is going to be kind of an interesting week. Um, The idea has been bouncing around in our heads for a while, and the impetus for us to finally record it has been a combination of me trying to figure out what the rest of my year's schedule is going to look like and a couple other email announcements that I've been given. Um, And this should come as no surprise to either of you because I think I've talked to both of you about it off pod before, but uh, my schedule is... (laughs) I basically know everything I'm doing until the end of the year already. Um, barring like a few day-to-day changes, but 
honestly, you could ask me, you could point to any random weekend between now and the end of December 2022, and I could probably tell you what I'm doing then. <laughs> uh, so with, with planning being such a big thing and being an anime fan, naturally, it's time to think about conventions. So it's time for the state of conventions. Uh, but first, how we all got into the convention scene. Do you both remember your first anime convention? Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. Does anybody want to share theirs, or should I go first? You go first. You started it. Okay, that's fair. My first convention was my senior year in high school. Um, and I actually went with another staff member from Anime Trending before I think both of us actually worked for Anime Trending. Um, friend of the podcast and previous guest, Mark, uh, he and I went to the same high school, and he's the guy that got me into anime. And so uh, there was a convention happening uh, on Memorial Day weekend, which, for those of you that are not in America, Memorial Day is a holiday whose origins I cannot remember, which is a shame because I'm sure it has to do with, like, veterans and stuff like that. But anyway, to high school me, it was just we didn't have school for a day. And he invited me to tag along with him uh, to go to a convention called Fanime. And that was my first con. And I did a really bad uh, Okabe Rintaro cosplay because I his outfit is super easy to do because it's khaki pants, gray shirt, lab coat. Yeah, like literally, like I don't understand why you're so hard on yourself. It's it's just like a lab coat and khakis. Like, what would the um, what would a good Okabe cosplay yep. look like? I know it's, you, have, it's... you have to be like a spitting image of like the actual person, maybe. But then, like, truly, uh, I got to be rail thin. Um, I got the height down, but not the width. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first. That was my first ever convention, and I had a really really good time. Uh, and. Uh, after that you just you you could not stop me my initial plan was to only ever go to fanime uh because it was like the closest convention and being in high school i didn't exactly have an easy way to get around but uh as i went to college got more transportation options and joined anime trending i increased my portfolio of conventions considerably Mm -hmm. how about you nick what was your first convention uh it was also fanime but not at the same time because um, we basically went because Fanime takes place in San Jose, California. Um, just just doxing us right now. Uh, not all of us are California, but um, it was my freshman year of college, um, and that was actually kind of like when I got more into anime itself. Um, I remember like kind of just watching stuff at home and not actually interacting with other people who watched anime in person until I kind of got more acclimated with my college campus club. Um, and that was actually a really good set of people. And so that was when a bunch of roommates and I went and made the uh, Memorial Day trip down to San Jose. And yeah, it's a great con and it still remains to be one of my favorite cons. Okay, quick question. It was your freshman year in college, right? Yeah, my freshman year in college. Which was that, which meant that would have been Fanime 2015, right? Probably. <laughs> okay, because. I, I think you may have forgotten. I am a year younger than you, which means that your first con was also my first con, and we mm. did not know each other yet. That's kind of like fate. Like, we could have been, like, eating eating one of those good street hot dogs next to each other, not not knowing that. <laughs> it's like in an anime music video where, like, asymptotic, we keep getting closer and closer but never connect. It, it's just that last scene of Are you trying to make name. listeners shit you, too? Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> No, because, well, see, the thing is, is that the Medi James ship is way stronger, like, historically, <laughs> so we have to create the alternative ship, because it's like a Senpai Kohai kind of ship that... It's for it's for people that like to ship rare pairs. It's a rare pair. Yeah, this one's for all you rare pairs out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, how about you, Gracie? So, my first anime convention is actually when I've already started working full-time and I was out of college, so later than all of you guys. And it was Anime Expo, and I did do it for anime trending. I grew up somewhere where anime was not popular at all, and I was one out of probably 20-something Asian kids in high school, so... um, And I can tell you with certainty that only two of them were consistently in my class. It's, it's, 
and anime was very associated with Asian people, and there wasn't a lot of them. So I didn't really hang out with people who talked about anime or even watched it, really. And I would like I would say I was a closet otaku all the way through my last few years of college because that's actually when I joined Anime Trending and it made me a lot more open in regards to expressing how much I am really, really obsessed with anime. But before then, people I would say people couldn't really tell because I had a lot of other sort of hobbies as well. So uh, but yeah, Anime Expo was my first one for Anime Trending. It was a wild ride. I uh, completely destroyed my feet. I don't know if you remember this, James, but you actually had to act as my crutch and I had to like hold on to you when I was in my heels because my feet was hurting so badly. This was walking back to the hotel, right? Uh, it was walking between the hotel and the actual convention center because we were both at the hotel for for like the same panel and then I was going back to the convention building and you were going there as well to do something else. But we were going in opposite directions. And the thing was, it's got my feet was so destroyed that I just took off my shoes inside. But it was very hot concrete outside. So I had to be in my shoes to get to the other side. And I was basically holding onto your arm while hobbling across because I couldn't walk. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really exciting. And uh, it was I, I think I probably had the most celebrity re- reaction out of all of you guys because a lot of people freaked out when they heard I was from Anime Trending. So that was a really exciting, unexpected thing that came about in my first convention. But I actually I have a lot of stories from my first convention, and they're all pretty insane. And to me, even when I think back to it, it sounds unreal. But it happened, and it was it was wonderful. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll definitely do more convention stories episodes because they're easy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I feel like I remember that particular incident. I can't remember there. I, my memory is a little hazy, but for some reason my brain remembers a complaint and I can't remember if it's because I was too tall or walking too fast or possibly both. I think it was because you were too tall because, so you tower over me, like, cause I'm already quite short as a person and you are quite tall as a person. So the two of us are very mismatched and especially our leg length. So your one step is probably my two and a half steps. So because of that, even when you're walking slow, uh, or I would say even when you're walking normal, it's fast for me. And with someone who is hobbling in her heels because her feet has gotten messed up because she was dumb and she didn't break into her heels beforehand uh, because she was too excited to wear the new ones it was very hard to keep up with you so I had to be like James like like slow down I'm like you need to just walk slow because that's the only way I'm able to like hobble with you along the way but regardless the help was very appreciated because there was no way I would have made it across the building so (laughs) Yeah, the Anime Expo is like an endurance competition. It really is. Yes, I was very good at the endurance part. And I, I specifically remember because Agnes, this was when Agnes and I had paired up because we had two back-to-back meetings. And Agnes is much more like athletic slash like physically fit than me. And so we would run from, we ran from one room to the other and I am like on my knees panting. And she's she's not even catching up breath you know and she just looks at me and, she, and she's just like wow you really don't have stamina and I'm just like thank you Agnes for that observation but our roles get flipped because for her it's like between the panels she's like come on Gracie come on go faster you know sort of thing and like racing ahead of me without even like panting but then when we get to the door that's when she like immediately withdraws and she's like she starts thinking like oh like should we go in- onto a line like we got to figure this out you know sort of thing and I just like stomp up to the person at the door I'm just, and I just hold up my thing I go press let us in <laughs> so <laughs> And, and we get let in immediately and Agnes is like, huh, like that's, that's pretty nice. I don't have to say anything. She just handles everything for me. So. By your powers combined. Yes. Yeah, by and powers that, that combined. almost feels cheating too. Cause like I've experienced anime expo as the line con without the press badge. And it's definitely like a night and day experience <laughs> just because of all of the cons. It's just the sheer number of people that are at that, at the, um la convention center for that it's kind of unreal 
you have to flash your badge with confidence is the thing because if you flash it kind of like unsure about yourself they will redirect you into like a longer line and stuff like that i i realized that after the first day so starting by so starting the second day i was just straight up going to the volunteers and like putting my badge in front of their faces and just go i'm pressed i need to be let in they're like okay go in and so um, so you, you gotta flash your badge with confidence <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the the issue is walking that fine line between confidence and being a jerk. Because <laughs> con yeah, staff is... are they they are basically a punching bag for every unhappy con goer. Oh right, of course. I'm not like trying to be mean or anything. It's just though I will say the funniest time, which I literally ran through the volunteers while like calling out press and stuff, was because I was late for one of the panels because of the back-to-back -back thing and I looked I, I'm pretty sure I looked insane because I um this is the first commission as well because I was carrying heels in my um in my hand so I was running barefoot and my hair tie had gotten loose and I have very long thick hair so it was sticking out all over the place from like me running and so just imagine this girl holding like heels in a red business dress like with hair sticking out all over the place just zooming <laughs> her way directly at the door and so I yeah I legit just passed through the door was like press and I just went past and they were like okay and so 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 I, I don't know how applicable this is going to be to the uh, listeners. I'm not going to lie, because this feels like Anime Expo pro tip number one. Have be a press badge or else you're going to have a really bad time <laughs> and not be able to do the things you want to do. Um, I, I, I think perhaps the, the bigger takeaway. Um, we're like and, reflexing, and, too. That's the other thing. We're just like, uh, yeah. It, Heck yeah. I mean, not to derail like not to derail from my original point too much, but part of the reason I joined Anime Trending was because I met Quok and he's like and I was like, Oh, I went to this convention, I did this, that, and the other, and then he, you know, he did flex on me a little bit and was like, Oh, I did an interview with so and so and I went, What? How do you do that? And he told me about anime trending or whatever. And the conclusion that I came at the end of his explanation was, Wait, you mean if I write for you? I, I don't have to pay to go <laughs> to the convention because this was still this was like my I think my sophomore year maybe of of college and I didn't have a whole lot of disposable income so it was like hey if you can save me you know a little bit on on that badge cost I'll do it and initially I was gonna write you know maybe two to three articles and then whatever interviews I did and now here I am hosting a, a podcast that records on a regular basis do you want to talk to the... about uh takanashi song because you got the incredible opportunity to present him an award he won you know that, that is that is probably one of the one of the like things that brings me the most joy is is getting to do those kind of presentations of awards because it requires and this is actually very timely considering that our awards uh show was uh a week two weeks ago mm -hmm. um is is that there needs to be a lot that lines up in order for that situation to happen first the show needs to win an award or the guest needs to win an award through their work on a show which is not hard we give out a ton you know we give out a decent number of awards every year the hard part is then having them show up at a united states convention because that's where i operate out in of. the year uh, in the year that they won in that too. same year yeah uh and so it's it it happens kind of like once in a blue moon. I think we've only ever given out two awards in the past. I think we've done eight award shows and we've only ever given out two just because that's how infrequent these these co these coincidences, I guess, uh, happen. But it, it's so satisfying to be able to go like, hey, you know, I'm from an outlet. You won an award. You've heard about us at the very least because I know because we saw that your Twitter account retweeted uh, the award <laughs> thing. Here is the physical award. And so it, it's great getting to see because there is, I think, a lot of guests, a lot of convention goers kind of put guests up on a pedestal and they are people to be admired for their work. If, you know, if they weren't, then we, you know, conventions wouldn't invite them over. But it is it is such like a humanizing scene and feeling to get when you are talking to somebody who, you know, 
especially with Takanashi-san, because I'm, I was such a huge fan of his work, and I was very excited that Zombieland Saga won the soundtrack award that year. Um, you know, it, it, it's so humanizing because then you realize like, oh, he's just a guy and he's just as excited about this award as, as you are. And the, 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 the feeling of kind of just general excitement and happiness that that's happening is, is one of the things now that I really enjoy working as press. Um, it's, it's something that I hope a lot more general convention goers understand less the like handing out the awards part, but more the understanding that the guests are people too. Um, they may be the creators behind some or the voices behind some of your favorite shows and favorite characters, but the, you know they're, they're people, and you need to that that speaks in both the way of like you need to treat them like people. Um, but you also can you know there's an opportunity even just as a regular con goer because this happened a lot when I was in before I worked at Anime Trending when I was in like autograph lines at Fanime is even something during like an autograph session as they're like signing something if you give a compliment or say something specific um, about something that you enjoy or that you like uh, it, you, you can kind of see that you can, a lot of the times you can see them brighten up and mm-hmm. it's for them. It is being able to put faces, you know, to the kind of general notion of, Oh, Hey, people overseas like the show that you did, you know, it, you know, instead of like some faceless horde, he's a, you know, he or she or they, you know, they're able to, you know, you know, your face, you know, you give them the compliment, they now recognize, you know, oh, here's an individual that likes something that I did. And that kind of adds up over time. And it really gives them a a better perspective on the kinds of people that are watching and enjoying their, their, you know, productions. And that comes up a lot in our interviews as well, is kind of one of our questions is always, how does it feel to be in the United States? And well, it's kind of a, a general answer. There's a reason that it comes up all the time. And it's, a general expression of surprise at how many people are at this con and how many people mm-hmm. are coming to their panels. Um, and, and getting to be involved in that uh, feels really good. And I feel like I'm now soapboxing a lot, so I'll turn it over. Yeah, to... I was going to say like with the, with anime expo in particular, like, I mean, or even just con in general, there's certain levels of like, how much does the, the Japanese anime industry like perceive um, Western audience, like which which ones are they actually aware of for cons? Which ones you're most likely going to have guests? Um, and Anime Expo historically is like the biggest one convention in in the U.S. Besides maybe Anime NYC, it's kind of fifty fifty. But some years I feel like Anime Expo is just easier to Too get big. so many guests and so many industry announcements just because of the proximity in California. Um, it, a flight from a flight from Tokyo to Los Angeles is way easier than a flight from Tokyo to New York. Yeah, but New York's New York. Though. It's like it's kind of different, different. But I don't know much about it. And my NYC, I didn't, I haven't gone there yet. Looking forward yeah, to this year. Um, but yeah, it's like I guess the vibes. I would say Anime Expo. It's like. It's like the most corporate feeling kind of it is. event. It's, where, I don't keep going. Sorry. I was going to say like, it, it's kind of weird where it's almost like you're, you have to kind of pick and choose which things you're going to do. Cause there's a ton of announcements, a ton of different, like a ton of different premieres, but every single one is like your premier uh, e-ticket attraction, like at Disneyland. So you're going to have to spend your hour or so in line to try to line up and pre line up. So if like, you're not prepared at this con to like, wait in line to see whatever you wanted to see it's kind of rough like you have to like really plan out your day more so than i think any other con i've, I've ever oh, been that to. must be why i like anime expo because i love planning out my day <laughs> I plan and out you, my- you have the press badge too so you just are like up oh, well, i can no, just walk I in do, here now <laughs> plan out way ahead of time like i when the mm-hmm. schedule comes out i genuinely have a calendar book in which i mark i will likely have to be in line at this point at this time figure out where the location is you know route how i would go and then i i I have like a huge very detailed schedule book when it comes to anime expo and i think but also this just lines up with how i am because i do actually schedule my everyday life even on the weekends Mm -hmm. i know when i wake up I'm going to do this and around this time I'm going to do this and then around this time I'm going to do this. And so to me, uh, that sort of scheduling is part of the fun and the hype and 
have and definitely like going in without really knowing where I want to go and just wanting to wander that actually stresses me out so funnily enough (laughs) having like a bigger thing where you where it's better to plan is just right where I want it to be so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like there's some events you have to be like this is what I'm going to do and I'm willing to spend my entire day getting in line to try to get there because I know like in the premiere, like from on the big premiere, um, I ended up going to was like when JoJo's Part Four just got announced, and they were gonna show like the first episode, um, probably like three or four months before like the show was even gonna air. And so that that point, it was like I had to wait in line for like an hour and a half, and the line got insane. Where like it became kind of like it no longer became a line; it just became like a mass a blob um, <laughs> blob of. It was actually really scary. I'm not gonna lie; that was like. The moment where I was like, man, I could totally get trampled right now because I, you just kind of feel the mass of people just kind of like a wave. Because uh... it got chaotic because it was like the line kind of broke. And like at this point, like the the volunteers tried to get everything like settled. Be like, okay, we're going to start the line from here. And the blob is just going to like mash into it. And you had to just kind of like squeeze your way slowly to get through it before you got through like the straight line that was going to finally be... Uh, order uh, that was not fun but I did like that experience because again like the vibes are pretty crazy for um, the anime an anime convention because you're, you're getting into like a hallway room with like 2,000 people in there um, the level of excitement that you can get inside convention halls is something that I think is very hard to find anywhere else like I've, I've been to big concerts I've been to sold out stadiums uh and like yeah that's high energy but there is so much more dedication i think at you know it's it's so much more concentrated at conventions and and to circle back real quick to the planning thing i think you know if if a listener wants to take anything away from from our kind of bizarre all over the place convention uh conversation here it's this is the first piece of advice that i would give you is plan or at the very least know if the con you're going to requires that level of planning. So we've been talking a lot about Anime Expo, and I do like Anime Expo, but I say that as somebody that has only ever gone as press. I've interacted with folks like you know Nick and then also Medi, who have gone just as attendees, and it's a lot more stressful. It's very much a, you know, you have to look at the schedule ahead of time. You have to figure out what you want. You have to show up hours ahead of time. You got to stand in line. You get to maybe do two or three things in a day, which is a different experience than press because we, in exchange for several hours of our time uh, and a couple other, like, you know, it's not free for us to do this. We have to do, you know, when, when we go home from the convention, that's when the work begins. Oh yeah. Uh, I was up until I think 2 AM doing writing the articles that I was going to push out and then like waking up early in the morning because the next panel was in the morning. So yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I spent, um, I spent the first like two and a half days of a week long family vacation sitting in my family's hotel room doing transcriptions for interviews oh yeah Uh, that is your thing yeah (laughs) yeah my because of how my my family plans things like i do which means several of my convention experiences have been i went to a convention and now i'm going somewhere else i (laughs) i went to crunchyroll expo in 2019 i got back from crunchyroll expo late on a sunday night and then the following day less than 12 hours later i was on a plane to japan Oh my gosh! How are you not tired? I would have been exhausted. <laughs> was that the I slept same on the Crunchyroll Expo where we ended up waking up at three a.m. to like wait in line to get Junji Ito autograph tickets, or did you not? I that, did not was, join you, and that is one of my that like, is a convention huge life regrets. regret. I'm like so sorry, but I mean, um, I, I was so tired that night, and I felt it felt weird because I was like. I know Junji Ito has fantastic work and I've read a little bit of it, but I haven't gotten into it as much as like the group of you that went. And it felt almost like I was stealing from somebody else because I knew there were other fans as dedicated as y'all were. And I just wasn't at that level. And I was like, what do I do if I stand in line, get a ticket and somebody who probably cares more than I do? Uh, well, which, that's admittedly, considerate of you, if nothing else, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, I could fill, I could fill an entire podcast episode with james's convention regrets which 
would be super sad, but I've I've learned something from every single one of those experiences uh, that I can take to future conventions, so it's not all bad. Um, but yeah, Anime Expo is something where you have to, it's like Disney, it's Anime Disneyland, but that's the good and the bad. It's got all the things you could possibly want, but if you don't plan your trip ahead of time, you are hosed and won't get to do anything. Uh, meanwhile, other smaller conventions... Uh, and this is the one that sticks out to me, is Fanime. I like Fanime. Honestly, I might like it the most out of all the conventions I go to, because it has... It is a very good combination of large enough to be able to get, like, big-ticket Japanese guests to come over, but small enough that you don't deal with Anime Expo-sized lines. Um, some of my best interview experiences have been at Fanime. Some of my best autograph session experiences have been at Fanime. Uh, the industry presence is not as large there but you know if you're there for the guests you don't really care as much about the industry appearances it's but like i don't know if i would say it's not large enough i mean they oh, got it's big. like it's huge they got like a bunch of people from there i know like i i Studi like they lost got my trigger. mind when they got they Studio got Aya Hirano like was an experience too she was like incredibly funny um they got um kawamoto-san from studio bones Mm -hmm. um like they they get really big guests uh which is you know they're not they are not a small convention it's just that when compared to anime expo they are a smaller convention and the benefit to that is that the lines reflect the smaller con you don't have to yeah you know, sometimes yeah the lines are going to be long if you want an autograph yeah you're going to be standing in line for a while but if you want to just show up to the panel half an hour before 20 minutes if you don't mind standing in the back you could show up like as it's going on yeah, it's, it's really? a intimate setting. Yeah, it's it doesn't like fill up. I mean, the thing that's funny is that it takes place in the San Jose Convention Center, um, which is the same venue as Crenshaw Expo. So like, we just are constantly making like comparisons in our head, and like, it's so apparent that like Fanime is just so much better than Crenshaw Expo. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I since I only ever go to Anime Expo uh, for reasons that has to do with my day job and how it lines up with my schedule per se uh unfortunately a lot of the other conventions mentioned tend to happen right during busy season which makes it literally impossible for me to go but that being said what is crunchyroll expo like because i genuinely don't know and you know you guys are talking about it and i know you guys have been to it um... i'm gonna start nick <laughs> I'm just going to say it's very sanitized, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if that's, like, the best word to describe it. Um, it is. So, I think the big distinction, because, as Nick mentioned, comparing Fanime to Crunchyroll Expo, Fanime is, you know, their kind of slogan is, like, by fans, for fans. They are a convention that, like, they have an origin story very similar to Anime Expo, which is, a long time ago, there once was an anime club. And they held a convention, and they held it long enough, and it got big enough that it became its own, like, non-profit organization that just holds fanime. Um, while Crunchyroll Expo is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's a convention that's put together by Crunchyroll. And so that means that it comes kind of with the... There, there, there is a pre-established brand, there's a reputation that is expected to be, you know, kept and upheld because... It is a lot easier if something goes wrong at Crunchyroll Expo, you pin it on Crunchyroll, the brand. Uh, whereas if something, you know, if maybe there's an issue with Fanime, you, you know, you get mad at broadly the organizers, but the, you you can feel a little bit of sympathy sympathy for the organizers because, you know, almost from the very top all the way down, the people in charge of Fanime are volunteers or pseudo volunteers, where it's like they don't have a full time job planning these things. Whereas uh, Crunchyroll, people you know, with salaries get paid to contract out and set up and coordinate the things. There is a benefit, though, to Crunchyroll running Crunchyroll Expo, which is because Crunchyroll sits on production committees for shows. They have a lot deeper industry ties. They can get really high-profile people over. Like, they got Junji Ito as a guest. I don't know if Fanime would have been able to pull that off. That was May literally, have... keep in mind that that was like literally his only time he's like ever been in the US. Wow. Yeah. Like that, didn't, that's uh, didn't like you meet, insane. Didn't like, you meet people that flew from Japan to San Jose? Yeah, people, people like the, the, the Junji Ito announcement was like, was insane. Like I, I can't even 
like tell you like the scale of how big that particular guest announcement was um it was huge and now i really am regretting not standing in line at 3 a.m with all of you but it's done, it's done. <laughs> yeah i don't know um I, look the you you may all have signed um junji ito hardback books but i have a hand-drawn sketch of inferno cop with my name on it that is Aww. that is pretty jealous i do give you that i am pretty jealous of that uh it's it almost like any time, like you're actually holding Inferno Cop because he's yeah. a still image at any time point. So you can like, <laughs> you the can just say was... you have an animated copy of Inferno Cop. There right we go. On you. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like I yeah, guess I think... with Crunchyroll Expo, the main the main benefit, like they do have a pretty high production value. Um, but like there's there's just kind of like a lack of fan focused events if that makes sense like oh, a fan okay. that is you, like anyone can apply panels. to do like a fan panel like and it can cover we know somebody like, that does like eight panels of panel. different topics like one of my favorite ones i always love evan minto um anime I, burger time he does anime burger time which is basically a compilation of a, every clip that involves a burger animated <laughs> in some and it's just a it's, hilarious montage like there's some really funny ones and he'll throw he, get, in he, like, he does like deep polls like really obscure shows yeah and then there's like some other really funny ones where it was like like the joke the jokes are pretty funny i think i think he's got some youtube links um from previously in anime or fanime um calls which i'm pretty sure you can still hear james laughing because he's got a pretty distinct laugh from the crowd that i was like watching one of these <laughs> videos i'm like wait we were definitely we were definitely here when this happened <laughs> <laughs> um I, I gotta pull that one up once we're done recording on that because it's it's a really funny experience um yeah fanime i you go to a fanime for the guests and for the fan panels and less so for any industry presence i see uh, okay. like and at the exhibitor hall in at fanime you've got like kind of smaller anime merchandise sellers card shop people you've got the art this is separate from the artist alley the artist alley is all you know fan artists and all that right right uh, but the exhibitor hall is like you know jim's anime merchandise and they sell you know uh little you know nesobetti plushies and all the other stuff like that and sometimes there's one or two that sell you know like anime trading cards and things whereas at you know crunchyroll expo you have the crunchyroll booth and the bandai namco booth and these are booths that are you know larger they're full-scale installations they're done by companies like big companies that have like licensed stuff as opposed to the you know, this is this is my small anime, you know, secondhand. You know, the the folks basically that make a business out of once a year I fly to Japan, I spend two, you know, I spend twenty thousand dollars on merchandise, and then I fly it back to the United States and sell it. Yeah, like um, the dubiously, like not strictly illegal, but would definitely make a guest very upset if they saw like <laughs> their keychains being sold by like these random exhibitors. I mean, it got paid for. It got art. paid for legitimately in Japan. It's just it's. It it is a much more if you like look at the history of conventions where it was like a bunch of nerds that hung out together, and you know somebody got the sweet hookup because they went to vacation on Japan and spent a bunch of money. That mm -hmm. vibe still exists in the Fanime Exhibitor Hall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Crunchyroll so. Expo, like I feel like overall the size of like the Exhibit Hall and the um the art selling, it's pretty small. You can't you kind of get through it in like thirty minutes, whereas for Fanime you could spend a ton of time in those those parts of the con which again it's because it's the same venue now um it's so hard to like not draw comparison. not draw exactly not not compare it because you're just like oh this is like fanime did this better fanime did that better fanime got ayahirano or like other other things that i'm trying to think um but also like i think historically fanime is really funny because it's also like kind of the party con for people oh, it is in the industry too con. because like most people in the industry like from crunchyroll or funimation like they're there as fans from proximity um but like yeah. they don't actually have to work on anything <laughs> during fanime <laughs> so like i feel like it's regarded as like one of the few times where it actually feels like a vacation whereas if like you're at anime expo or crunchyroll expo you're on the clock 24 7 whether you're press or funimation or crunchyroll whoever is like because like they're always working because you have to like promote your one big thing mm, yeah yeah that's e even yeah even as press though um because the emphasis is so much on fan panels and there are kind of fewer announcements going on 
at Fanime. I know my workload post Fanime is always easier. Um, you know, Crunchyroll Expo, there's industry stuff to report on. There's interviews that I get to do, like all this other stuff. The amount of articles I have to like work on or edit or transcribe or publish at the end of Crunchyroll Expo, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Whereas Fanime, usually my workload consists almost exclusively of just interviews and that's it, which means that the rest of the time I can unwind. Um, I feel like we're we're talking that a lot about fanime and kind of. I, I do love fanime. Things. I really need it. Like I deserve it. <laughs> um, hopefully, it happens this year because I feel like a lot of the the big elephant in the room for a lot of these cons is whether or not um, COVID variants are going to have an issue in shutting them down. Um, I from the rumor is what it sounds like because a lot of these these conventions are hosted by um specific groups and societies that have to put them on they do not have that much money to like delay it so i think the general yeah, thing is like if two, they don't years. if they put it off this year like they might not be able to exist for in the future at all um yeah because you, you the the uh, this is something that i've had to do because i was planning an anime convention at my college, you know, after a very successful one in 2019, it was my job to run the one in 2020. And we all know how 2020 ended up. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, personally I am because of how kind of companies handled the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. I am $700 in the hole, like personally out of my pocket, just because I didn't want to put that, um, put that burden on the club because I knew that the club couldn't afford it. Um, yeah. Mm hmm. And, you know, because it was done in a university club through university facilities, the refund policy for the facilities was very generous because the university went, we're closing all the stuff. And we went, can we have our deposit back? And they went, yeah. But for other organizations that have to, you know, they have to basically act every year. Like this is the year it's going to happen. And then as time leads up, then they have to cancel. And at a certain point, those deposits become non-refundable. And it's one thing if your deposit is... $300 for the use of a university, you know, visitor center. It's another thing when it's, you know, any number of thousands of dollars for a city convention center. You know, if you if you don't get 10% of that back, if you don't get 20% of that back, and that happens year after year after year, you're going to run out of money. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many times you can just rent the venue right next to the Staples Center and or actually sorry, it's the crypto.com arena. I will destroy also that known building as, with my own bare I, hands. I also known as the crypt or the crip arena <laughs> i'm sure Ann called it that because uh, that's dumb but that's an nba topic uh, <laughs> we'll have a basketball thing later but anyway i'm very grateful nick that you brought up will they be happening because i've got sitting on my second monitor uh as we as we run out the clock here on this episode uh the announcements for several conventions that i have gone to that i would like to go to ones that i know exist and haven't been able to go to for various scheduling reasons so let's just kind of run down the list and let's start with one that i enjoyed uh which and i think i'm the only one on the team that's been outside of quok um which is anime central which happens at the rosemont convention center in rosemont illinois just outside of chicago uh the week before memorial weekend memorial day weekend um Oh, that's and, nice. Yeah, yeah, back to back weekends of conventions. I had a I had a rough 2019. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, they are set for their convention to happen um, between May 20th and May 22nd, 2022. Here's the thing: their guest list is basically non-existent. They've got looks like a concert from a local group playing final fantasy music and a dude that does like anime chalk art and that's kind of it for now it's march um while there is something to be said for building up hype in like the the kind of month leading up to the convention um as much as i love the going and seeing the artist alley and seeing kind of the vendors and everything like that uh, I primarily go to conventions for guests and for my friends, and if I'm the only one going to Anime Central, that kind of only ever really leaves the guests. Uh, having said that, though, Anime Central is an interesting, real quick anecdote. Uh, if you have never been to Anime Central, but you have been to several California anime conventions, the best way I can describe Anime Central is Fanime-level crowds, Anime Expo-level industry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's why I like going. But again, if there's not, you know, a decent guest list, I'm less inclined to 
truck myself all the way out to the Midwest. Well, yeah, I mean, the main the problem, though, like, with a lot of the guests is going to have to do with um, travel Jap- Japanese government's travel restrictions. It's not really so much on the U.S. It's just a matter of, like, a lot of these industry people can't afford to take however much time off to quarantine, quarantine. when they come yeah. back. So, like, there's no reason to, to go if that's the case. Um, yeah. And, and there is, I mean, we keep talking about, like, Japanese guest this, Japanese guest that. People do listen to dubs, and it's a lot easier to get... Um, you know, English voice actors to, you know, American conventions. And we should not discount that. And so, you know, if there's somebody on the guest list that is an English voice actor, I will definitely mention it. But moving on to Fanameg in, you know, the 27th to the 30th of May, 2022, mm-hmm. they have the date established. There is nobody on the guest list. I don't think Anime a... Expo even has anyone on the guest list yet. And like you guys said, this is... AX does not have anyone on the guest yeah, list Yeah, and either. they're the biggest corporate group, like you said, so... <laughs> they, they could just give thumb drives of, like, their movies for to premiere to, like, <laughs> like Aniplex of America. Just give them, give them those, and then they'll just do the premieres and stuff. Um... That's the other problem. Like if they if they don't have guests, like, are you willing to go? Um, but also, part of it is almost like a release at that point, where you're just like, I've been, I've gone through COVID for so many years. We're at this point where, yeah, it. I think it it depends on what you're going for. If you want to go to go to the artist alley, if you want to go to see your friends, if you want to go for you know the vendor, the exhibit hall. Yes, go to these conventions if you feel comfortable doing it, and if the situation in the city is not you know catastrophic. But I know that guests matter a lot to a lot of people. I've been seeing a lot of, you know, on Twitter in 2019 and previous years before all this COVID stuff happened, where, you know, a lot of people would be like, I have not bought my ticket yet because the guest list just isn't appealing enough for me, which for my brain at the time was like, why on earth are you waiting? The guests are almost always good at these conventions. And the longer you wait, the more expensive the badge gets. But, um, but yeah, guests, guests have a lot of weight. Control Expo, also, I can't find their guest page on their website uh, for who they got listed. They have an interesting thing, though, is because they've said that they're going hybrid, so they're going to have in-person and online things, which makes me think they might have, like, virtual Japanese guests, where it's kind of just like a live stream. Like they can, like, live stream it to the crowd and whoever's tuning in. Yeah, a guest in Japan has to wake up at, like, an ungodly hour for the time zones to sync up. (laughs) Or or it's just pre-recorded. Yeah, I was thinking pre-recorded is more likely. Pre-recorded, yeah, that's that's pretty good. There there is, you know, though, something to be said about pre-recorded not having that same kind of flair as as live stream. They might do a live stream thing if if it lines up. Mm -hmm. Um... I'm also looking at two others. We talked about Anime NYC. They're slated for November of 2022, which, since it's so far in the future, I'm much more willing to be like, okay, it makes sense. They don't have a guest, any any guests published. It's, you know, their convention's not for another yeah. like, seven months now. <laughs> so Yeah, and they might be the most likely to not get destroyed by, like, any new variants, which, which ironically enough, there was that, that news story going around that, like, Last year's Anime NYC was possibly a super spreader event, but until like what three weeks ago when the CDC said no, it was not a super spreader event. Omicron yeah, that was, was so that was city. so like that was so surreal. Honestly, the CDC is just like no, the only the only uh, disease was the weebs we made along <laughs> the way or something. Yeah, anime is a disease. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say so. And uh, I'm looking at one other convention, which has been in the back of my mind, but I have never been, purely because of distance. And I think this year I might not be able to go because of timing, but I've always been interested. Because a couple years ago, one of my favorite Japanese bands was the musical guest, and I couldn't go because it was the weekend before finals uh, of, I think, my junior year in college. Which is really funny, because my last year in college, I went to an anime convention the weekend before finals. Uh, so clearly that, that didn't hold up, but, um, Akon is a weekend long convention in Irving, Texas, um, that is happening from June uh, 35th. Is it bad as and a fellow I've Texan? Always... I don't know where Irving is. <laughs> it's a little bad. It's a little bad that you don't know where It's a where pretty big city. state, though, like. 
California is a big state, and I still know where, like, basically like, everything I don't know what anything north of Sacramento is. Like, that might you as well You don't know where Redding exist. is? You don't know Eureka, Eureka? I know, but, like, why would I want to know where that is? Like, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to State of Jefferson. Like, it's... Rude. Oh, <laughs> it's lovely up there if you don't catch Plano. the wrong side of the locals. Okay, that makes more sense. I don't know where Plano... Okay, relative to, like, Dallas, Dallas San Antonio. Dallas, yeah. Which one's closer? Dallas. Where is Dallas? Like, is oh it my God. <laughs> I don't know where any of these north. places are. <laughs> Dallas is the big north, uh, north Texas north, okay. city. They do get snow. It gets a lot colder than where I'm at. And you can, uh, so people who uh, have family in Oklahoma tend to stop in Dallas before driving up to Oklahoma because it's only like a two to three hours drive to get to Oklahoma. So that gives you an idea of the distance, but Wait, Texas oh, is. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I was just like, oh, I guess Oklahoma is adjacent yes. to Texas. This is how little I like. I think about that. I'll be real. What you need to do is move to the Midwest, like me, because now I'm pretty sure I can identify everything that isn't <laughs> the eastern seaboard. I know. Like my sister went to Colorado, and so the thing is, is that that was like always blew my mind. I'm like, wait, what do you mean you're next to Nebraska or Kansas? Yeah. I'm like, that's that's weird. Like, there's like a certain like dividing line between like when the the Midwest starts. And it's like these things that I'd never think about in my lifetime. Sorry, sorry to y'all who are, who are it's, there. But. It's fine. Uh, I forgive you. Honestly, I think the good way to say when the Midwest starts is basically just central time. My really good friend from college is like only 30 minutes away from me. I can totally just do it. Yeah. There you go. But then I would have to drive four hours, and I don't know if I want to drive four hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame that you can't Look, take the train. we're supposed <laughs> to get a hyperloop of some sort that would essentially connect Austin and Houston and Dallas and San Antonio, and I am so excited for that because, God, do I need it because I am driving across this giant-ass state. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> I hope when you say Hyperloop, you don't mean something that Elon Musk has... I was about to say, like, there was that whole thing about the scary tunnel that seems like a good place to die in if you were ever Are in a Are we talking crash. about the, the Las Vegas... Oh, that was in Vegas, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the Las Vegas loop where I'm just like, oh gosh, that's so scary looking. Like, Yeah, no, um, no, it's like public transportation. It's, it, they... They suspect it should be finished in like 2025, so there's several more years to go per se, which means several more years of eight-hour round-trip driving. <laughs> Large infrastructure projects take decades. I know a couple engineers that are close to retirement, and they have basically only ever seen maybe like two possibly three projects from start to finish during their tenure so like if you study civil engineering are you just expected to make like two bridges like yeah basically that's why civil engineers take such pride in the one thing that they did because that's really scary because if i ever see any story about like struggling infrastructure there's got to be like one or two engineers that are just like really sweating nervously on it because it's just like this is this is their whole life like it's just kind of crumbling you're like i have a i have a i have a i have a funny anecdote but Mm -hmm. uh i'll tell you all after the podcast because i don't know if i want everybody that listens to hear it um but anyway um but yeah uh conventions also real quick uh you say hyperloop just say fast train that's they just want a fast train high speed rail call it that hyperloop makes me oh god i i seize up in an apoplectic rage whenever i hear that term um it's a bad term. I didn't know that. <laughs> Elon Musk is a bad person that is generally, and society is generally worse off for his existence past the idea of getting people to think that electric cars are cool. Um, okay. I, this is not the. This is neither the time nor place for James's infrastructure. I just, I just and wanted to talk about anime, but yeah, well, no, we just want to talk about James anime. keeps talking about Elon Musk's empire. stop no don't call him that you're gonna make james angry (laughs) anyway um as we as we approach the end of of the podcast having covered kind of our conversations on what we think is cool about conventions some of our personal experiences adam looking at the honestly kind of bleak lineup for the you know the next coming conventions this year uh it is time for the portion of wild speculation which is, uh, are we going to go to any of these? 
Uh, yes, so. because even if there's no guests that are of note, we'll probably still have applied to do one of the panels like we did at Fanime before. So we'll be like officially the coolest guests at Fanime or That's AX true. or Crunchyroll. We'll be the coolest guests at every convention. Um, yeah. I know we've we've talked about it are a lot. Are we going to do a panel for any did it once with like his I don't remember if James was on he that. He did one. I was on so I remember that panel and it was not uh him as editor in chief of anime trending, but it was him as this is how you run a uh, college anime club. No, and no, so no. I'm on. talking about the one at Fanime. There was one that was specifically like anime trending. Was it? Was that the one where Kyle threw a sandwich at me? What? What? <laughs> As opposed there to was, the other time he threw a sandwich at you? He's only ever thrown a sandwich at me, mon- at me once. Uh, there was a panel I was running late for it uh, because I was doing a press thing and I kind of sprinted in and took my seat and was like, sorry. I was only like two minutes late or something, but I was like, sorry, I'm late. Uh, I was running, you know, I, a thing that I was doing ran long and I haven't had anything to eat yet. So I kind of got lost. And Kyle's response was to just stand up and throw a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at me. That probably uh, was that same one because I remember. Yeah. I don't remember if you were part of it. I know Quack and Mark were, were doing this thing on like what is anime trending and who and like you guys felt like they filled the room. So I was like, oh, this has actually got some hype to it. Um, yeah, which is kind of weird because it was, was basically like here's a deep dive in like how we do analytics on Facebook polls before it became like a lot bigger than I think this what we do now. Um, yeah, but it was kind of cool. Was, so it was right before I think our first version of the website really came into being. It was really cool. Yeah, if like somehow like we get fans, like I'd be so down to just record something like live like that with an audience because that'd be like it yeah. would be pretty cool. Um, but like I know that <laughs> now that we got me remembering about fanime stories, like fanime is sometimes like wild. So like going back to anime burger time, so like James like really really went hard for anime burger time because. Uh, it's a BYOB or B- bring your own burger event. So you're encouraged to bring a burger to this event while we talk about burgers in anime. And Most James, people go to the Johnny, Johnny Rockets. That's downtown. Yeah, like four, James was like, I'm going to make a super burger. And he made this just massive. I don't know how much it weighed. It had to have been like a two pounds worth of ground beef in the patty. And it was like a giant sourdough roll so as it was like a sourdough a bun. bread bowl but instead of using it as a bread bowl i just cut it he in cut half, it in half and used it as a bun and he just like wrapped it up in his backpack for his like his like substance substance for his like sustenance for his whole like weekend it was pretty nuts dude it was just like hey bro i'm hungry and he's just like sure he just cuts me like like a tenth of the sandwich and i'm just like thanks bro <laughs> like do you, if you still have the picture of that i just want to like uh there I, I have a picture of it somewhere if i can find it i think honestly somebody might have tweeted about it uh if i can find the tweet i'll put it in the in the description but yeah uh i that that burger uh was the only thing i ate for that entire day because it took me an entire day to eat yeah like honestly gracie like it, it was insane like i was just like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> it's okay james i understand <laughs> Honestly, as far as like convention food, and we'll talk about this more in a later episode. Um, I I am a I am a terrible garbage person when I when it comes to feeding myself during conventions. Like the 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 let's go out to dinner is the only is usually the only time I ever eat any real food, and it's because other people want to eat real food. If I was left to my own devices, I'd just be eating trail mix off the floor all day. <laughs> Bro, you're all just like pass out like in the middle of of the convention hall and like that sounds so scary it's almost happened anyway uh yeah i i I think we'll be going to the big one i mean the cal a lot of the california ones i plan on going to fanime i plan on going to anime expo i plan on going to crunch expo um i might go to anime central if the guest lineup looks good enough the transit fees are a little a little different and also i don't get to hang out with my friends as much if if i go there mm-hmm. um and then who knows maybe this is thinking extraordinarily optimistically maybe by the time november rolls around for anime nyc they'll be able to fly overseas guests in and we'll be able to actually have a grand old time there we'll finally be able to go nick yeah we'll be able to... <laughs> this just sounds like like those like foreshadowing things like we're gonna get to go to the nyc like like you always mentioned it was our it was our dream 
Yeah, I'm just putting up so many death flags. You're, yeah, it's like, that's a really ominous way you kind of like phrase that. I just have to be like, yo, I'm going to call that out right now. Yeah. Anyway, look forward to more uh, convention stories, uh, more in-depth convention stories, more weird convention quirks, and maybe even a full-on con advice podcast once things really begin to open up more uh, sometime in the future. But in the meantime, if you've got any conventions that you want us to visit or try or things like that. Oh, we didn't even cover the anime trending goes to Singapore, did we? We'll, we'll talk about that sometime. Um, all, all, sorts of, all sorts of good stuff. So look forward to that in the future. And we'll see you next time. Um, shout outs to the editor for our wonderful editor uh, for fixing all my terrible audio mistakes. <laughs> uh, Bye everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh.